When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, I'll what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode 77 of the Whitetail Extraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me from Zoom, Charles Hedlund. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, buddy. What's going on tonight? Not too much, man. I'm excited. We got a couple in the backlog, and, you know, it's not really super soon for us, but most of the other part of the country, they're getting a lot closer than we are. It's almost turkey season, man. Yeah, it's a reality for the southern states. It's coming up. I mean, people are already hunting in South Florida, and I'm sitting here with uh, no that feeling of not being ready. <laughs> you know, it's it's like their seasons are starting, and it's kind of that kick in the butt that we get when our season's about to be coming up, even though it's so late. Um, that out of state trips they they start here in uh, the next month or so. Yeah, totally, man. I mean. We're, what, April 30th, I think, is when we start? Yeah, it would make sense. Yeah, it's typically right at the beginning of May, last days of April. Yeah, so, so we got that, and then um, I think I think West Virginia, so another close state to us, I think they start April 16th or something like that. Yeah, theirs is typically, I believe, a Monday start. Monday I start. Think it's, yeah, I think it's the April 19th is their opener. Because that's the day we're supposed to get back from Oklahoma is the opener at West Virginia. Sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah, so I'll probably not go out that opener. That's when uh, Lane and I went out last year and I killed my bird was on the opener that Monday. Mm -hmm. But I'm planning a a potential trip down with uh, Anthony who will go down farther down to a, a property that he has permission on. That's some private land. Sweet. More central. Virginia, yeah, it'll be a little longer trip than the the public land, but it'll be fun. 
So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man, there's nothing wrong with that. You hit as many as you can, buddy. Yeah. The only thing is that first Saturday when I get back is the youth season, and I wasn't thinking about the youth season coming in. So I'm going to do that again with my niece and nephew. I was already talking to them. They're all excited. Awesome. So we'll get out. We're going to do that youth season, and then I think maybe that Sunday I'll drive down and, and do a West Virginia trip or maybe leave Saturday and stay overnight and hunt Sunday morning. Totally, totally. No, I can dig that. Looking forward to it, man. I mean, turkeys are obviously on our brain. Yeah, man. That... <laughs> I got some. I got some calls in, and you know, um, I've been practicing. I've been getting all my stuff together. Not a hundred percent together, but you know, I mean, breaking them out of the totes and figuring out everything that I got and what I need to find yet. And it's it's getting there, man. I'm I'm excited. We're almost almost there, but we're, yeah, we're, it feels so far away still. But yeah, yeah. My wife went and cleaned the garage today, and uh, little does she know that I'm probably going to be messing it all up, throwing hunting stuff all over the place. <laughs> I really just want to get things to an organized position, so when I'm, I don't feel so overwhelmed when I try to get ready for some of these out of state trips. Because I mean, when you're driving 16, 17 hours, you can't really uh, forget much. You know, you got to be on point. No, totally, man, totally. Well, we got some serious episodes coming up for turkeys. You know, we're just going to keep rolling with them throughout the season, keep that stuff relevant. But who do we have coming on today? So today we kick off our turkey portion of our podcast with Parker McDonald from the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast and uh, Southern Ground Hunting YouTube channel as well. And it's a very good episode. I mean, this is an amazing episode. Anytime, you know it, anytime we get another podcast host on, our job gets a thousand times easier. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. And who better to kick it off with than the guy that went down to or went up Tennessee and killed a white turkey. Yeah. (laughs) Killed six, I think six birds last year, I think he said. Was it six or... Something like that. I mean, I think it was six birds. It might have been yeah, more. It might have been. I can't remember. I think he got two in Tennessee. Two in Tennessee. And Jake and the white one. And yeah. Yeah. Alabama birds. And then I think four, four in Alabama. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. But I mean, we're kicking it off. We're, we're not slowing down after Parker. We got a couple more guests coming in the following weeks that are just absolute turkey slayers. You want to tease it a little bit? Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think we'll just leave it as a tease. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to get, yeah, I don't want to give away too much, but, okay. you know, we got some, we'll just say this. We have, if you watch turkey hunting on YouTube, you're going to be very familiar with the future guests that we have. I agree. That, that? that was good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> and we have already a month of that recorded and lined up. So, yep. uh, it's about to get wild. I mean, if you're ready for turkey content, we're about to shove it down your throats. You better believe it, man. I love it. <laughs> All right, man, let's get them on. So, obviously, we're sitting down with Parker McDonald, right? Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, one of the OGs in my world of podcast listening. Let me put you in that category. You were one of the ones from the beginning I started listening to, man. I I bet you I've listened to every single one of your episodes you've ever posted. 100%. Wow. Oh, you I'm might be the only person in the world. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. 
But we got you on to talk turkeys. We just had a, like a, a whole side rant about, um, which was related, right? The predator population sure. and, and how it affects turkeys. But let me, in, let me interrupt you real quick. I'm going to take podcaster liberty right here and, and I like l- again, restate that everything that we just said was based in opinion and not at all factual. <laughs> there may be some things that are factual that we said, but I'm not going to like, no pun intended. I'm not going to count my eggs. I guess that I'm not going to put all my eggs in that basket. How about that? Gotcha. Yeah, work. Um, I'm with you, man. <laughs> That'll work. So let, let's reverse back then to how we typically start our podcast. Why don't you do a quick introduction of yourself and kind of uh, touch like on your podcast, obviously, what you've been doing on YouTube and then kind of who you are, where you come up through and, and when you started hunting. Yeah, for sure. So like you said, I'm Parker McDonald and I do the Southern Ground Hunting brand, I guess you could call it. Actually looking at moving that into uh, a little bit more production stuff here in the future as far as like building websites and really trying to create a business out of the Southern Ground Hunting brand. Really targeting a lot of a lot of guys like yourselves, you know, like outdoor type brands and things like that. That's what I'm going to be moving into as well. So I do the podcast, obviously, like you said, and we really, like the name implies, we really focus on the South, the deep South. That's what we, we try to talk about. There's not, when I started it several years ago, there really wasn't a, uh, a lot of content coming out of the South for Southerners to consume. There was just, I mean, it was a lot of Northern Midwestern type stuff and yep. um and there wasn't there wasn't just a ton of stuff coming out of the south and so now obviously there's there's several more you know podcasts and youtube channels and things like that coming out of this region but we started with that in mind we talk about a lot of public land tactical type things is what we try to stick to we have definitely branched out with our guests uh we've talked to somebody from new york state i don't know if y'all know double longer on Instagram, that's his name, and uh, we had him on as guest. Super cool dude, and just a whitetail slayer. He's like tagged out in like two days of the season. He's tagged out. He's done <laughs> on the giant deer, and so that was a an episode that we did and really branched out from our norm. But we typically try to stick with southern guests and things like that. So we do that, and then we do the YouTube channel, and uh, that's mostly just me going out and and hunting. Like it's a it's not, it's not really much of a group thing. It's kind of just a solo, like I'm going out solo hunting yep. public land here in Alabama. I have a, a host named Drew who I'm trying to get into the self-filming game, but he's just not ready to commit to it yet. Drew's like a, <laughs> he's a, a, a super cool dude. We come from similar backgrounds and stuff. And he actually, this year he had a freaking killer season. He tagged out on bucks yep. here in Alabama for the first time ever, which was a pretty big deal. I'm trying to get him into the self-filming thing so he can start putting some videos on there too. But right now it's just me going out deer and turkey hunting and, you know, traveling some. I traveled to Kentucky, killed a great buck in Kentucky this year. Uh, Went to Tennessee, gone down to Florida and done some stuff there. But really trying to highlight Southern, the Southern hunting culture. You know, while all of my friends are planning trips to go to Missouri and, uh, a lot of the northern states, I'm like, yeah, let's go to Florida where you can buy a non-resident <laughs> license for 40 bucks, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and more than likely not see a deer. But that's just that's just what I love, man. I love I love the South. I used to hate it because there are 
big challenges when it comes to deer hunting in general and just size of deer and numbers of deer and things like that. But also there's, there's even more challenges when you move into the public land aspect of it. And so I've just tried to, to highlight that, you know, and highlight not the fact that where I hunt's harder than where everybody else hunts. Everybody thinks that about their own area, but just highlight hunting in the South. And, uh, and it's been great so far, man. And then, like I said, I'm going to be moving into shameless plug. I'm going to be moving into more like some production stuff, doing graphic design and website design for people through that same umbrella of Southern ground hunting. So if anybody's listening and needs something like that done, just hit me up, man. And I'll be glad to help. Yeah. Um, I do. That's all, so, man. Yeah. We actually right do place. too. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that later. Then. I like it. <laughs> I think, so, it's, um, I think it's important so, to kind of point out there too, you know, you are doing a lot of Southern hunting, but one of the things that I really like about your your YouTube channel in general and your videos, you do a lot of your hunting from a kayak. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people kind of overlook as like a valuable resource. And it kind of got me more interested in doing it. And I've been doing it a little bit off and on throughout the years, but kind of really seeing your success and getting into some of those areas that are overlooked and being able to access through the water the way that you do, I think it's kind of changed my game 180 degrees, like totally just flipped me around. And, you know, I think that's an important part of, you know, hunting in general, whether it be turkey hunting or deer hunting or, you know, just looking at those, the, the different aspects and getting into those overlooked areas like I was talking about. I think it can really change your game. And that's one thing that I would really push people towards your channel. If they're even remotely interested in, you're a great resource for that. Yeah. And so my, my thing with that is, um, like I mentioned, you know, in, in, in my specific part of Alabama, I live in Alabama. I don't think I'm, I don't know if I mentioned that or not, but I live in Alabama and in, in the area that I hunt in Alabama, it's probably going to be more similar to what your big woods are up there in PA. Like it's going to be very monotonous, um, lots of rolling hills, mountains, cliffs, bl- uh, bluffs, no ag at all, pines, some cutovers, some clear cut stuff, open hardwoods. I mean, it's, it's a tough place to, to hunt if you're not used, especially if you're not used to that kind of stuff. But I mean, honestly, the vast majority of people that I know out here that hunt this, this area that I hunt are going out and it's, it's going to be a rarity for them to even see a deer, let alone kill a good buck. And so one of the things that I started out hunting this area, I started out hunting it with a kayak when I, when I started doing the, the public land deal. And I just, uh, that was really the reason why I even wanted to start hunting public land in the first place. So I was like, crap, I could use a kayak. That'd be awesome. And the first year that I did it, I tagged out on bucks. Now, two of those were respectable deer. One of them was just a little bitty tiny thing like a little bitty tiny six point, but it was, it was what I wanted out of that hunt. Just learning to do this and, and kayaking and learning public land stuff. But my whole point of it, once I started videoing was to let people know, like, no, it doesn't matter what your scenario is. I'm hunting a low deer density area that is very difficult to hunt. And I'm going out and I'm killing good deer now. I mean, now I'm killing great deer on public land in the big woods of Alabama consistently and it is for i've learned you know i've learned how to be a better woodsman and how to predict deer movement and i've learned to be a better hunter but more than anything what i've learned to do is have that grit i guess is the right word just have that grittiness to my style of hunting and mental toughness 
in, in how I'm hunting. It, it is more a product of finding a way, right? And going the extra mile, not just hiking in a mile, but going the extra mile. There's a lot of guys hiking in a mile. There's a lot of guys doing that and not killing deer, but I'm trying to figure out what's the, what's the extra thing that I can do that's going to increase my odds. And so wherever you're at, there is something that you can do that is going to increase your odds even more than the other guys in your area. I'm going out here, dude, and I am deer in the rut. It's nothing for me to see, you know, 15 deer. And even during the early season, it's nothing for me to see that. And it has less to do with my hunting ability and more to do with my grit and my determination to figure yeah. out a way to find these deer. What's really overlooked too with the water access and the way that you do it. And I'll be honest, I've even overlooked it because I've watched what you've done and I've envied it. And I'm like, man, I need to do that. I want to do what he's doing. And then I listen to your one podcast where you're like, yeah, well, I also got to get up an hour earlier because I got to get my kayak ready. I got to get to the boat ramp. I got to back it out. I got to do all this stuff in the dark. And then I got to go, you know, sometimes four to six miles out in the dark with fog in your face and and do all this extra work and all this extra time. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I don't want to do what he does, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I overlooked it. I overlooked the the gritty part that you mentioned. For sure. Yeah, it's it, it, it. I remember the first the first season that I did it. And at that point, I didn't have a motor on my kayak. I was using a significantly less expensive kayak less stable kayak for sure <laughs> at that point i was just using my kayak that i had you know and right. I idea to go out and do it and i remember my first my first pretty much my first full season dude my butt was clenched the whole time because <laughs> you don't think of when you when you think of like when when somebody watches my video for example and they see like the cool drone shots of me like flying over a, a deer that's on my kayak it's like, man, that looks awesome. That looks so cool. It looks like a blast. It is a blast. You figure out how to make it fun. But man, when I first started, it was like, you know, you don't, you don't ever really think about the scary movies that you've watched until I'm in a kayak at three o'clock in the morning and the, it's foggy and maybe there's a full moon shining through the fog and you can't see anything around you. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, I remember that one time I watched a movie where a demon came out of the fog and you're like, crap, I need to stop thinking about that. Get out of my head, you know? Oh, Lake Placid. Yeah, there's some good ones, man. There are. But what you learn to do is that just becomes normal, right? Like like when you do it, when you, you just repeat it over and over and over again. Now, there's still some times where I'm just like a little freaked out because I'm by myself. You know, I'm, by, I'm literally yeah. by myself in the middle of the water when it's 20 degrees outside. One wrong move and I fall in, I might die. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like there's, a, there's, there's definitely a safety aspect to it and there's nobody there to hear you. And if there is somebody close, they're probably asleep, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you or a, they're on land. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have a really low odd chance of somebody being able to come and rescue you at that point. But that just becomes normal. I, I did a, a couple of private land hunts this year which I hadn't really gotten an opportunity to do in the past. And uh I remember thinking like, so you're just going to drop me, like you just drop me off. And I just walk like a couple hundred yards <laughs> to this spot. Like this is, this is weird. It, 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 it becomes where used to, I would be like, crap, I don't want to walk 300 yards to that shooting house or to that ladder stand. Uh, can I, can I just park closer? That's how I used to feel about 
hunt in a lot of spots. I don't want to walk that far. But now it's like, that's, that's, that feels like a walk in the park. You yeah. know, that's easy yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. The water access became the norm for you for sure. It, it did. And, and, you know, and just, I know, I know we're going to talk about turkeys, but it, it, it's a little bit different with turkeys. I still do the water access thing because you can get into less pressured birds for sure. But just within deer hunting for anybody listening to this, like it's not only water access, you know, like. There's some places where I go where there's no water access. And so I'm trying to figure out what's the thing, what's the one thing that I can do that's going to set me apart from the other people, right? Like whether it's going deeper, not going very deep at all, hunting the, it's, it's a little bit cliche anymore in, in this group of, of people. And a lot of people probably listening to this, but overlooked spots going into overlooked spots. What's I'm I'm just looking at a list of things that's like, if there's not water access, what can I do that is going to set me apart and get me into deer? I'll give you a great example. When I hunted Florida, I hunted the Ocala National Forest in Florida. I don't care about saying it. There's so many people that hunt the Ocala yeah, National good Forest. Good luck. Go do it. Uh, we invite you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just go. Go try. Try to see a deer <laughs> in Ocala National Forest. It's hard. But I went into this one area. I hunted it. I scouted. I, I spent like two full days pretty much just putting on miles scouting this place. And one interesting part about Florida is dog hunting is legal in Florida. Yeah. And people hunt the tar out of Ocala, Ocala National Forest with dogs. And so I don't have my, I'm in my wife's car. My wife is from Florida. So we're visiting family over Thanksgiving break. I have her car and I don't have a kayak. I don't have anything. I don't have an e-bike. I don't have anything like that. I'm just kind of just a normal guy at the time, at, at that point. I don't have dogs. So I went and found this spot. That was right on the edge of a, like a portion of the property that you weren't allowed to hunt. And it was kind of a, it was, I don't, I don't know why you weren't allowed to hunt it or whatever, but I was run, I was hunting right on the edge of it on the area that I could hunt. And it was just a super thick, like you were not going to be able to penetrate this spot just by walking through it. So you kind of had to take some like, really weird routes through this it's called like tie ties or something like that um or gall gallberry brush i think this is another name for it anyway it's really thick the deer love it so i went around it found my way around it found a spot one lone pine tree in the middle of this crap and what i was getting was a lot of the dogs were running the deer into this really thick nasty tie tie stuff and they were using that and hanging out in there and then they would make their, start making their way into the sanctuary or the area that you could not hunt. Right. Dude, I went in there and I was not far from, I couldn't get deep. I was in my wife's Dodge Avenger. Like (laughs) I couldn't, I couldn't go down, you know, shady roads or anything like that. I was literally just right off the main roads in a spot that people were not thinking about. They literally weren't thinking about it. I didn't kill a buck feel like i saw one buck i couldn't kill a doe but dude i was seeing like 15 deer a day i I was seeing deer like crazy doing that same thing over and over again coming from the same areas doing the same exact thing and a couple times actually had the dogs show up after that where the dogs would run through but for the most part the dogs were not going into that super thick mess because they would lose the deer pretty fast in it they couldn't get through it all that great but I just found the little bitty openings and I ended up seeing a ton of deer, lots of turkeys. I saw bears in there. Like I saw all kinds of stuff. It was like the animal freaking kingdom. 
in there. But that's just a good example of of what I was doing and how I was trying to break down that area. And in talking to Walt, Walter Lee of Chasing Tales, he was really surprised that I was seeing that many deer because he's from Florida and he knows, you know, that it's not an easy place to go to and find deer. And so that was just something I was trying to do, you know, so it doesn't have to be water access. You just find those little things about your area that might be super specific to your area. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I've, I've done the same thing um, hunting out of state in Ohio on public ground. You know, when we first started going there the first time and we go and, you know, you kind of get stuck in, in what you like to hunt around here and you get out there and it, what looks good to you out there, you got to realize it looks good to everybody else out there and they get pretty good pressure too on public ground in, in Ohio. So the first trip out, you know, before I really, really dove deep into podcasting even and, and learned a lot of new tactics, I kind of started out with the same stuff I would hunt locally on private ground and I had success in. And as, and before even, you know, diving in other than e-scouting, it was like my first year using Onyx. I'd jump on Onyx and, and use it with Google Maps and I was breaking it down the property and I kept noticing one spot on the map that was hunting. And it was, you know, maybe in an area that's, you know, this big on a map, like huge, huge park. There was one little itty bitty spot all the way at the one end, like far away from everything, far away from the campground, far away from everything. And I'm like, well, that looks really good. So I, I looked at it on the map. I'm like, well, that kind of looks like the right stuff. Drove over there. Of course, it's like this flooded bottom, beautiful, I mean, absolutely beautiful, wispy grass. And you get in there and of course, there's just deer sign everywhere. Sure enough, we set up, I think we killed like five or six deer out of that area that year. And we kept going back every year. And it was like, you know, you'd see a car or two there. And that was it. It wasn't getting pressured as bad either because a lot of people overlooked it. The main people are looking at that main section, that thousand acre section, and they're all hunting there. You know, every little ridge, every little creek bottom has people in it. But then you go out on those little points and there's no one there and there's a ton of deer, you know, and it's all surrounded by private ground, too. So a lot of the deer are just coming right off the private ground onto the public land. And uh, you're getting opportunities. So, I mean, it worked for us too. We killed a lot of nice bucks doing that. It really, what you said about like, you know, you, you watch some of the videos where I'm kayaking and doing all that stuff and it sounds Mm -hmm. really cool. It sounds really fun. But then you kind of hear me explain it of like, you know, it's tough. Like there's, there's things about it that are really difficult to do. And what I've found is most people, that's not everybody, but most people are not willing to do it. Even if they know, I've got friends that know exactly where I killed deer at. And I've got friends that I've taken with me and they're not going back. (laughs) They're not going back (laughs) by themselves. You know, if I invite them to go again, they might go, but they're not going back by themselves. Yeah. Uh, And and these, some of these guys are like hardcore, you know, they're, they're hardcore deer hunters, but even a having good opportunity at deer is not worth it to them. And (laughs) I've found that most people are not willing, even if they know exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it. Most people aren't willing to do it. So I've tried to be the guy that I take it as a challenge. I'm a type eight on an Enneagram, which is the challenger. Like I'm going to take that as a challenge. You know, I'm not in the greatest shape or anything. I huff and puff going up hills, but I'm, I don't like to get beat. I'm super competitive. And even if it's competitive with myself, if I don't feel like I had to work for something a little bit, a lot of times I just don't feel like it was maybe worth it. And so I, I try to always be the guy if I'm hunting a new place or whatever, I'm going to try to be the guy that's going to be out there 
as much as I can. I'm going to scout as much as I can. I'm going to put in all of the work that I possibly can to just set myself up for the most success. Because, like we said before, I want to die with memories and not dreams. So, if that means I, I'm the buck that I tagged out on this year, I got it right here up on the wall, and uh, it was a it was a five mile, four four point eight something mile trip with the kayak. Now I do have a motor, so people don't think I'm like don't think I'm like super duper hardcore paddling five <laughs> miles in the morning. I've got a little motor that I put on my kayak, but I mean, really, you're going super slow because it's foggy and dark. You can't see anything. Yeah. And so I'm going super slow, but it was a five mile trip. And uh, I, I personally don't know a lot of people that would be willing to do that. Even some of the most hardcore people I know. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you'll meet those people every once in a while that like there was a guy, a kid that came out to this property, found my YouTube videos, came out to this property and he hunted it all year long. He kept doing it. I don't expect him to go anywhere. So you'll have you'll have a few people like that, but for the most part, most people are just they're not willing to do it. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, man. And you know, switching gears, but almost kind of staying on the same topic of those overlooked areas and the areas that people don't want to go to and kayak access. Throw that in there too. You know, the thing that comes to mind is one of the most recent videos I watched on your channel. You going way back on your kayak, using your motor, getting back there, and you even said it when you got there. I don't expect to see any turkeys in this spot. And you got there, you got on a bird immediately, man. I mean, that, you didn't come out with the bird at that point, but, you know, let's kind of get have. into thinking about, <laughs> you should have. <laughs> I should have. Take your time, Parker. Take your time, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to Austin to pick the one video you didn't kill a turkey in and then I know it, it, dude. And that one, dude, crap, <laughs> I think about that freaking turkey all the time. I probably killed him. I've probably killed him by now because I've killed a couple turkeys in that area. He's probably dead and somewhere his beard's probably hanging in my my wall. But I freaking think about him all the dang time about how I miss that bird. Anyway, proceed. We don't have to stick on that one. <laughs> we'll move. We'll move along off of that then. <laughs> no, you're you're exactly right though, man. Like that specific area, I deer hunted a little bit. Had never seen any turkeys in there, and it has quickly turned into a honey hole spot. I don't know if you watched the video where I killed the turkey out of my kayak. Um, yeah. That one was in the same exact spot. That's my go-to spot at the beginning of the season every year. Like it is my go-to spot. And also come to find out <laughs> a very prominent turkey hunter in probably one of the most popular turkey hunter solo YouTubers hunts the same group of birds right oh, there. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. And so we've we've actually built been able to build a relationship on that and kind of keep each other informed and it, it's been a lot of fun. It's just funny that I went into there is like I don't even know if there's turkeys here. There may not even be turkeys here. Yeah. And come to find out one of the most, you know, famous turkey hunters is hunting those same birds. <laughs> um, and you moved in on them from the water. Yeah, he probably feels <laughs> a lot differently. He, he's he's coming at them from water too. But he, you know, it, there's a difference in me and this guy. He's traveling all over the freaking country to kill turkeys during turkey season. So he may only have a couple of days to go after those specific birds. Whereas I'm like keying in on them all season, you know, trying to try right. to figure out what they're doing. But, yeah, that's a pretty awesome video too. It's you going in with a flooded field and then just literally the moment you parked your kayak into like the bush and you just got everything set up and here comes the turkey right across and you just dropped it. I mean, it was, was incredible. It, it was amazing. I was actually in a, I was buying turkey shot today, some TSS 
at the store today and I was talking to the guy on the, over the gun counter about that video. And it was, it was just amazing because I had been on these birds all morning long, you know, and really thought I had a good chance of killing them right off the bat. And, uh, they ended up working their way across private land. And it was just another one of those like aggressive turkey moves that you could not do on foot in this spot. You just, no. you wouldn't have been able to do it on foot. And I went to a spot that typically is not flooded. I wasn't expecting it to be flooded and cut these birds off and was like, well, crap, I don't know what to do now. You know, I'm, <laughs> it's just all water around here. So I just parked it into the, in the tree. Didn't you float past those birds too? I did. So yeah. the way that this spot works out, I'm not worried about a whole lot of Alabama people being able to figure this out. <laughs> the way this spot works is, and I'm sorry, Austin, I kind of interrupted you. I don't know where you're going with that. But I just, I let, I'm letting you go, man. Go, go so, for it. <laughs> um, the way this works is you have a main, main river, right? It's a big, big, huge giant river. And there's little creek systems that come off of this river. And there's this little bitty tiny chunk of public land that you can actually hunt right there and it's got some fields it's got some open fields like probably four or five open fields in it i want to say it's about 200 acres that is actually huntable right there and some little bitty chunks of woods in it not a lot but some little strips of woods in there and there's like a horseshoe of public land right so you have a big chunk over here and then it borders the the water but it's it's kind of hard to explain it just picture a horseshoe of public land and there's a big chunk of private land in the middle of that horseshoe in that negative space. And I was on one side of it that morning, got on these birds right off the roost. They were super hinned up and it was off of one, one creek. I watched these birds work their way across that private land and go into the woods and they ended up coming back out for a little bit. And I'm just, I mean, I got so much footage of them just trying to get them to come in, but they had so many hens. I just couldn't do it. And so they ended up working their way off. So I got back in my kayak. Went back to the main part of the river, floated down to another creek on the other side of that horseshoe. And as I'm paddling down that creek, this same group of birds had worked their way into a different field that bordered the creek that I was paddling. And so I'm paddling by them like super slow. I really didn't have a shot to be able to shoot them. And it wouldn't have been legal for me to shoot them while I'm in forward motion. That's kind right. of the, that's kind of the, the law. And so. They're just, they're just all standing there with their heads up looking at me, you know, like, what is that thing floating by? They never really spooked though. Um, they just kind of left. So I get to where I think is going to be dry ground and it's actually just flooded. It looks like a swamp. It's just flooded woods. And, um, I was like, well, I only have one option here. I can't do anything else other than just try to like, just bulldog my way through all these vines and, tree stumps and through the woods it's a thick part of woods too and so i'm just making all kinds of freaking racket trying to get in there and i get to the field edge and the field is basically halfway flooded and there's a strip of of high ground in it and so i just was like well i'm just going to set up here i put my net my camo netting on the front of my boat and i didn't get my main camera out because i was like in the water you know i didn't want to make a sudden movement and it fall in the water and so I just hung up a bunch of GoPros, turned on my gun cam GoPro and let out just a little tiny little yelp. And that bird gobbled, I mean, just right there. And he came right back. 
it was a good example. I've been working these birds all morning. They would not come back across that field. It was a good example of with turkey hunting, how much the game can change if you will significantly cut the distance like a hen is supposed to. And the fact that I got so much closer to these birds and that I was in a, I had good cover right there and they were just there. What I think happened is this, this probably more, uh, he, he probably wasn't the boss, Tom, in that area, thought there was another hen left in that field. And so he was going to take that opportunity to go back and get with her. And when I let out that yell, dude, he came in on a string and I, I killed him. And it was a, that was last season. It was like, that was the coolest turkey hunt I've probably ever had. Well, there was another one later that season in Tennessee that was pretty much once in a lifetime. But the, as far as just the, the hunt itself, that was the coolest, most intense hunt I've yeah. ever had for sure. Yeah, save that Tennessee story. We'll come back to that one towards yeah. the end. Yeah, can, that, that one will be that. fun. That will yeah. be fun. So, I mean, I mean, other than the canoe, you know, a lot of your tactics are, like you said, pretty aggressive. And I think the, the canoe does help to allow you to get into some places and move a little bit easier and with less sound. You know, like like you said, you would not have been able to do that on foot because you obviously can't just walk past a flock of turkey and expect them not to bust out of the area. Where mm-hmm. when you float past them, you really didn't spook them or booger them up too bad, right? But I mean... I guess what are some of your other tactics if um if someone's listening to this and they're not, you know, using the canoe? What what can you say some of the the tactics you've seen over the last few years that you've done that you were successful? Man, I mean, I try to cover as much ground as I possibly can for turkey. Here in Alabama in the area, the Big Woods area that I hunt, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say we have a low turkey population, honestly. We, whenever it's deer season, I see hundreds of them. I mean, yeah. they're there. There's turkeys there. It, it's just a matter of, and you hear a lot of people talk about when they came to, when they come to Alabama, the turkeys just don't gobble. They don't tell you that they're there like they do other places. When I went to Tennessee, it's completely different. Con- Tennessee feels like freaking turkey heaven to me because <laughs> I'm so used to Alabama birds that just don't gobble. And so covering ground has been my greatest, probably even more so. I use the, I use the new canoe for, that as well like i'll find a big piece of of land one of my main things that i try to do before i even get out of the boat most of the time unless i just have like a target area that i'm wanting to go to i'll sit in the water just right there at sun up you know right at gray light i'll just float my way i'll turn the motor off float my way around and just try to strike up a bird and that's worked out a couple different times where i've been able to locate a bird and just covering ground without even ever having to work my feet at all, without ever having to, you know, get sweaty or get tired, just float. And that's worked a couple of times where I've been able to locate a gobbler, get on him, and in most cases, probably not shoot him, but it has worked out completely a couple of times. But now, are you calling at him from the actual canoe or mm-hmm. kayak, I should say? So you're you're making hen noises. You're I, cutting. I have. I have in the past, I would say that it, what I said at the beginning of the episode really holds true when it comes to turkey hunting. I feel very confident that I'm a seasoned deer hunter. I've hunted deer my whole life and I, I, I know how to deer hunt, like in any situation, more so than even the just working my, working myself to death until it works out. 
with deer, I feel like I could go in a lot of places and, and find deer because I know how to deer hunt. Turkey hunting, I'm a little newer at that than I am deer. I've only been seriously turkey hunting for probably seven or eight years, maybe out of, out of my whole life. I'm 30 years old. And uh, yeah, it's probably pretty accurate. I, I got really serious about it in my younger twenties. And so with turkeys though, I, it really is a matter of just working <laughs> until it, I finally kill a bird. Just to give you an example, last season on the national forest that I hunt, I hunted, it was COVID season. So I hunted a lot. Yeah. And I hunted four days, probably four days a week, most, most weeks. And I think I heard on that national forest, I think I heard gobbles on three days oh, that man. year. Like, I mean, and I'm telling you, I probably put over a hundred miles on last year. Like yep. I covered some freaking ground and I heard gobbles on three days. That doesn't include the one I shot out of my kayak. That's not a national forest. That's a different, completely different part of the state. But I, I, I heard gobbles on three days and I killed one of them. And so my odds were pretty good on killing birds that were gobbling, you know, yeah. uh, I was batting, I was batting pretty high as but, they typically are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like if I, I felt last year, like I finally hit a point where if I hear a bird gobble, I have a decent shot of killing it, <laughs> but I'm just not going to hear a lot of gobbles, but it's definitely a matter for me of the more ground I cover and the more places I go and the harder I hunt, obviously the more opportunities I'm going to get out of Turkey. And so a lot of guys will just sit and they have a spot, maybe that they were in deer season. They saw a whole bunch of turkeys or maybe early in the Turkey season, there were turkeys there and they were hearing goblin. And so they just go to that same spot. Uh, it's just not me, man. Most of the turkeys that I've killed public land birds anyways, have been in areas that I've never even stepped foot on until that day. And so covered, like I said, I, I probably covered a hundred miles last year. And I killed one turkey off of this national forest that I spend most of my life on or most of my, most of my seasons on. And I, I killed one bird and it wasn't, I heard the same type stories from everybody. Most of the yeah. people who kill turkeys in that area are killing silent birds and they're just in the right spot at the right time. And they happen to look up on a bird that just walks in on them. Cause like I said, they are there and that can be a tactic that works, man. Find a good spot that has, that has a lot of scratch. If you're hunting pressured birds or, you know, big woods areas like that, find scratch, find sign and just sit there all day. That can be something that really works. That's just not really what I like to do. I, I don't I, think I have that patience for turkey. No, I, I just don't. Maybe I'd probably kill more turkeys if I did that more. Um, <laughs> but it's just not it's not really my style. I, and on, another thing that I'm doing too during turkey season, since I'm putting that much that many miles on. I'm always deer scouting. So I do most of my deer scouting during turkey season. And that gets me into new areas, into places that I wouldn't have maybe gone during deer season. I actually found my my very best spot that I could say we could set up. If you guys came to Alabama next season, we set up and we're going to freaking kill some deer. I saw like 22 deer in this one spot oh, on one of my hunts. Last year. And, and that was like in early October. It was super early in the season and I saw 22 deer on that one sit on a morning sit till 10 o'clock and I just saw deer after deer. I found that spot because of turkeys. Like <laughs> I found that spot because I just decided to go and check it out during turkey season one year. And uh, so I'm doing a lot of my deer scouting then it really turkey season really is an opportunity for me to go out and find new ground 
and a lot of times that results in a in a bird. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I feel like that's kind of one of the one of my detriments come turkey season. I'm so ingrained with deer hunting. I get out turkey hunting and you know, it might be midday and I'm just trying to strike a bird and I'm going through the ground and I'm going through and I'm working through and I get I don't know, it's probably just my ADD to be honest with you, but I find deer sign and then immediately it's no longer a turkey hunt. I I completely forget that I'm turkey hunting and I'm just I'm scouting for deer. I'm looking for deer beds, you know, hitting these different spots. I might find a a community scrape that's still hitting active in the spring and like it's a total detriment to my turkey season every year. It's tough, man. Like I love deer hunting. I'm a pretty focused person. So whenever it's turkey season, I'm thinking about turkeys all the time. But I do make mental notes, and sometimes I mark stuff on Onyx. Not really necessarily marking sign nearly as much as I'm like, man, this spot looks like a a good spot for deer. That's really what I'm marking more than anything. And maybe I see sign, maybe I, you know, find some good pinch points, rubs, you know, old scrapes or whatever. But mostly I'm looking at like things that you can't necessarily know just by looking at a map. I'm finding like a, a like a pine thicket with really thick understory. And I mark that for for deer, and I'm doing, and that's, I mean, I've, golly, I could not tell you how many deer I've killed, good bucks that I've killed in spots that I originally found turkey hunting. That's just a, that's just something I'm always, I'm always thinking about deer, you know, but I definitely, I, I get where you're coming from, but for me, like, focusing, I, I, I have a really a one-track mind, and so I'm, um, I know I'm, I'm kind of contradicting myself just a little bit. I'm making mental notes of deer spots, but I'm, I'm after birds, man. And yeah. I'm, I'm really, really focused on turkeys. And you have to be, you have to be. I think I said it before we started recording out here. You don't meet a lot of people who turkey hunt who aren't super serious about it because you have to be serious about turkey hunting if you ever want to kill a turkey out here. It's just, it's just comes with the territory i guess and i'm i've learned how to do try to do that anyways i I still i'm not where i want to be as a turkey hunter but hopefully one day i'll get there you know but i know that i'll work hard to try to make it happen for sure we have a very very similar um i guess uh, experience with turkey you know i hunted them when i was really young probably 12 to like 14 not seriously at all just never learned how to call, never, you know, went out with my oldest brother. He's the only one who knew how to call. And I killed a bird back then, but I never got the bug and went pretty much all through like the high school years and the college years, which I play baseball. So it's really hard anyways, to turkey hunt because you can't hunt on Sundays here. So every Saturday you're playing baseball, you know, and then you're school Monday through Friday. But when I got into my twenties after graduating, I had a buddy that, that was a really serious hunter like myself. And we got into it. We started turkey hunting and we kind of didn't take it serious the first couple of years. We went out maybe first day, maybe one other Saturday. And then it just kept progressing into like this crazy new obsession of mine. And I'm like you, I'm, I'm one tracked. I mean, I used to do what Austin did. I used to go through the woods turkey hunting and more or less, I would spend more time probably looking at deer sign and marking deer sign because I'd be more interested in what's to come. And now it's like I flipped the switch. Everything's backwards. And now it's almost more like a detriment to myself because I'm still out there and I'm noticing things. I'm taking mental notes. But the problem is I'm not going back to those spots in deer season and putting good faith in them, even though I've seen the sign. I know it's there. I know it's going to be a good spot. But 
a detriment myself is with limited time hunting in deer season, I always go back to the good spots, you know, the, the old honey hole spots, the spots where I know I can kill deer because I, to be realistic, it's like I only have a certain amount of hunts. And if I, if I go to a new space, even though I know the signs there and I know the potential is there, if I hunt there and I don't see something, now I feel like I've wasted my time or my own hunt. So I guess the answer is hit it in turkey season, make the mental note, and then hit it again in the preseason and then maybe, you know, throw a couple hunts at it, but, or make more time for hunting deer. Maybe that's the answer. You know, one of the things that I've, and in the nature of my job, I work in a church and the, the nature of my job is obviously I, I work Sundays, right? So I'm doing that a lot <laughs> and I don't get a lot of Sundays off. Uh, but I get to hunt a little bit. My, my job's a little bit flexible. So from, you know, sun up till nine thirty, ten, eleven o'clock, I can kind of, I can kind of make my own, my own schedule. It's kind of just a get your job done type job. And so whenever I, whenever I do that this year, well, I say this year, the last couple of years, I've really been more concentrated when I have like those like honey hole, like I know I'm going to go in here and I'm going to kill a deer or at least have a lot of confidence in it. I'm saving those for perfect conditions, whether it's rut, perfect wind, just stuff like that. I had a really good season this year and I hunted significantly less. I'm talking deer. I hunted significantly less than I have any other year. And, and it, I just, I killed deer because I was really concentrated on going into those high opportunity, high odd spots whenever the time was exactly right. And that takes time to build that up, right? It takes time to build up the amount of spots that you can do that and also know when the time is right for that area. Like it takes a lot of failure in seasons past to know exactly when I need to be in that spot. And so deer and deer season, a lot of times these spots that I've found during turkey season, maybe the weather's not great. Maybe it's, you know, not the right time to go into one of these other spots. So I'm going and visiting some of these new areas during that early season most of the time and just seeing what the deer season sign is like in that area. Big woods deer move around. They change they change what they're doing throughout the season. During turkey season, in my honey hole spots, my honey hole deer spots, I don't see any deer sign during turkey season. The deer are completely gone out of those areas. So I'm not looking for deer sign pretty much ever during turkey season. I'm looking, like I said, for terrain features transition lines, things like that. But the reason I found this spot that I told you about, that's probably my best deer spot that I have. I found it during turkey season and I went one day in like October out there and just saw a ton of deer. I mean, obviously it kind of just transformed into my, one of my best spots for deer hunting. And so I really take a lot of that time in the early season and like rainy days kind of, kind of scenarios. And that's when I'll go hit those new spots. And sometimes it's a flop, man. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm never coming back here. And then sometimes, you know, it's a honey hole. It comes, it becomes a new honey hole. Yeah. I've heard you mention before too, like, um, you know, recapping your year, you felt like every deer you killed, there was a reason why you killed it. Um, you felt confident in yourself when you, you know, you killed the deer and then you say turkey. I just got lucky. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. didn't feel the same way about turkey as you did deer. Is that, is that because you don't, well, I don't know if you don't, but do you think that's because you don't put as much preparation into scouting turkeys as much as you do deer? Uh, no, I, I, 
I'll tell you this. I will, I will take my kayak 10 times further for a turkey than I will a deer. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I work so much harder for turkeys than I do deer. It's not even funny. Like we're getting here probably what, like less than a month from turkey season starting here in Alabama. And I mean, I can already feel the nerves in my stomach. Oh, you know, I can feel my feeling. stomach. Not in the good way. Like, uh, <laughs> not, not, yeah, not in the good way. Not the um, excited anticipation feeling. I, I, I have that, but I also have the, this might be the year I don't kill turkey, you know? <laughs> um, because I'm just not nearly as confident in turkeys. And part of the reason is because you just can't predict turkeys. They just do whatever the heck they want to do. You know, you can't like, like a deer, you have trails, you have terrain features, and that sometimes will work for turkeys, you know, good pinch points and stuff like that. But you're not really ambushing turkeys like you are deer. Right. You're trying to find them and, and get that full, you know, experience. Now, don't get me wrong. If it were legal to hunt turkeys from an elevated position, I might do it. <laughs> but like, cause I like, to, I like to kill them. I'm not a purist for sure, but it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things where you can't predict you have to know how to call, when to call, what type of call to make. There's some woodsmanship. There's definitely woodsmanship involved in, in turkey hunting and knowing what kind of habitat they like, just just different things like that. There's definitely a lot of grit, like I said, that comes with turkey hunting and continuing to go over and over again four days a week when you've only heard a turkey gobble three of those <laughs> of those days. You know, it's like yeah. it takes a lot of a lot of like talking yourself out of bed in the morning to go out and do it for sure. I just couldn't give you a whole lot of reasons why I killed a bird most of the time other than I just worked really hard. You know, I just kept going. (laughs) And, and so that's why I feel like more like I got lucky. Now I've done some things right. I know I have, I've tactically speaking, I've done some, some right things when it comes to the Turkey woods. But nothing that I could just say like, yeah, every time I do this, I kill a mm. turkey. You know what I mean? Turkeys aren't really that way either. Like you said, they're mm. so randomly stupid and <laughs> that they just do whatever the heck they really want to do. Mm-hmm. And it could be something like uh, a fence that they cross every single day that all of a sudden you have them gobbling and strutting and you're calling to them. They hit that fence and they don't know how to cross it. You know, uh, it could be a little creek or a ditch or just a... You know, just the simple fact that, ah, you know what? I'm just not interested today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go this other direction. Turkey, people give them a lot of credit and they deserve credit because they are, are pretty good at surviving. I mean, a lot of things want to kill a turkey, right? You know, you got a lot of different predators out there that want to kill turkey and they survive in it somehow. But I mean, they're just, I think their stupidity saves them a lot of times. It does. <laughs> There's no way to predict, man. It's like, the, I'll tell you the best tactic to probably killing a turkey. Don't get married and don't have children <laughs> yeah. and go turkey hunting as much as you possibly can. Like that's, that's, and obviously for me, that's not a, that's not an option. I'm married, happily married, love wife. She puts up with a lot of crap from yeah. my passion. I love my kids more than anything in the world. Like this is not, <laughs> this tactic is not an option for me. But if you really, 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 really want to kill turkeys and you're single, just don't get married. Stay that like, way. <laughs> just go. I think that is the most important part of killing turkeys is just going. And yeah. 
and being there. It may be that you're getting lucky. I mean, you know, when I think about these guys who are Dave Owens, just a freaking turkey slayer. Yeah, man. Dude knows exactly how to call. He knows when to, when to make certain noises and when to do certain things. He's also hunting all season long in all kinds of different states. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's just going a lot. And if you really put, if you were to put, you know, somebody like Dave Owens and then somebody that maybe has only been turkey hunting three or four years, if you were to put them in a, a scenario similar to like what I'm in, you know, not a great, not a great turkey hunting place to live put them in the same their their ratio wouldn't be like dave killed you know limited out and the other guy didn't even hear gobble it it really wouldn't be that way if they're going out the same amount of days putting the same amount of effort into it like their ratio would probably be a lot more similar than maybe what we would think now no doubt dave owens is a freaking turkey slayer he could out turkey hunt most people in the world i'm just saying the most important aspect is being there and yeah. you start to learn things along the way for sure. But I still think the people who kill the most turkeys are the ones who turkey hunt the most, right? Like who have the most hours in the turkey woods. Yeah. And so what better way to learn? I mean, every single scenario is going to be a little different. And especially with turkey, mm-hmm. you know, you screw up on a deer, you know, a lot of different ways. But like turkey, I mean, you can screw that up a lot of different ways. And the more you learn about it and the more experiences and opportunities you have, you're only going to get better. And eventually one of those, you know, Turkey may slip up and you're probably going to kill one, but yeah, I mean, there is no better way of learning than, than doing it than just getting out and hunting every single day and learning the behavior of the birds, but paying attention and learning from your mistakes. I think, I think you, you hit on something there that I, that I think is pretty important in opportunity. Let's just take the scenario that I just said with, a, a guy, uh, an accomplished turkey hunter, and maybe a guy who's fairly new at it. I guess maybe the maybe the right comparison in that would be the amount of opportunities that they have, because like you said, there's a lot of ways you can screw up an opportunity that a seasoned turkey hunter has learned that lesson, right? So sure. maybe the maybe the right thing to say would would be you put those two guys in the same place; they're hunting just as hard. They're going to have the same amount of opportunity or or not, maybe not the same, but closer to the same amount of opportunity that then we would maybe think, like I said, going, going and being there in the woods is the most important aspect of it. But man, when it comes to actually killing turkeys, I can't tell you how many new guys I've talked to brand new turkey hunters who are like, man, I went out and I had this turkey. He was coming in. I saw him and then he caught me move, you know. Or I, I let out a call and he boogered out of there. He didn't like it. That stuff comes with the, you still had the opportunity. The opportunity was just the same. The seasoned guy may just know how to handle that opportunity a little yep. bit more successfully. And so, you know, I've learned, I've learned a couple of those things. Uh, I've also learned how to just be aggressive when I do get the opportunity. And, you know, the, I, I don't know if this is the right time to talk about that Tennessee. The, the sure. Tennessee story, but that was, that was an opportunity that I had just, just so everybody knows this video actually has never been released yet. So that one will be a pretty cool one. I think once I get it, once I get it put together and things, but I went to Tennessee last year 
did like nine days. It was like a nine day trip in May. So it was at the end of the Tennessee turkey season. Birds are pretty well uninterested in a lot of calling. Like they gobbled like crazy. It was, like I said, it was like heaven for me. I went out and heard like seven birds gobble on the first morning. I was like, what in the world is going on? You know, this is <laughs> awesome. This is heavenly. Tennessee um, is turkey heaven, by the way. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Like I, I know a lot of Tennessee guys hate when people say it, but it's a really good state. It's really, it really is a good state to go out. And believe it or not, the place that I went to, me and Adam Cruz went out there. It's like in driving distance for him. He'd never even been there before. And we went out. We were the only people on this place pretty oh, much man. the whole nine days we were there. We never ran into another turkey hunter. We saw one truck like freaking 20 miles away from the area that we were hunting. We saw one truck parked in a parking lot one afternoon. That was it. And literally birds gobbling like crazy. So I killed a, a Jake the first day that I was there. I didn't necessarily know it was Jake whenever I shot it. I just saw that it had a, a red head and I was, it was raining and I was like, I'm freaking killing it. And, it uh, to die. <laughs> and so I shot it and I, I, I say I didn't know it was Jake. I didn't know it was Jake. But I was still would have shot it probably. So I shot that bird. And then I was like, okay, I'm not going to shoot another, uh, like, I'm not going to shoot another Jake. I've got the enjoyment of, I'm, I'm, I've had a successful trip, right? I've killed something on this trip. It's already, it's already successful. So just man, like we grinded covered ground like crazy. Me and Adam did. And, uh, one day we were out there and, uh, I was out there. He had gone, I can't remember if he was hunting that day or not, but I'd gone out to this spot and had messed up an opportunity with three gobblers so like i said it's late season and the gobblers they would gobble at your calls but i can't think of almost any bird that actually closed any distance to our calling like there wasn't a lot of they just they were pretty much staying in the same spot part of the reason i think most of the gobblers that we saw were still hinned up and because it was we had like a 28 degree day in may which is nuts for us here and so a lot of the, I think there was a lot of unsuccessful nests. And so they were, they, it stayed super cold and a lot of the nests just weren't, weren't making it or whatever. I don't, I don't know that for a fact, but that was just kind of my guess because usually they're not that hinned up like they were on this trip that late in the season. And I had three gobblers by themselves right off the roost. They flew down into a field. I saw them. They had, didn't have any hens. I messed it up bad trying to get into a spot to where I could actually call. And they probably would have closed the distance on it too. Just the way that the setup was, I had a really good chance of killing these turkeys. And I ended up boogering them off and heard another bird gobbling. So I went after him. I ended up having seriously like seven birds this day gobble. And I'm just like running all over the place, freaking trying to get into a spot where, and it's hard when you have that many turkeys gobbling to, pick one to go after and so I, I i hit this spot later in the afternoon i hit this like it's like a gap it's a field gap between two fields and i get up in it and i see a hen fairly close to me fly off and i'm like freaking crap and then i'm kind of looking and something catches my eye and i see like a chicken out <laughs> in the middle of this field or what i thought was a chicken i just see this white thing moving with a red head look just like a chicken out there out in this field. Now, I'm telling you, we're on public land. Yeah. This is a public land scenario. And 
at this point, at this spot, I just walked in that day. I didn't even kayak that day. I just walked in there. I mean, maybe a three-quarter mile walk or so. It wasn't bad. And I pull up my binos, and it's a flipping white turkey, a white gobbler out in this field. Well, when that hen flew off, he went nuts. She flew to Kingdom Come. I don't know where she went. And he just starts gobbling like crazy. He's all the way across this field, probably 100 yards from me. And I'm filming him and watching him through my binos. And I'm like, nobody's going to believe me if I don't film this thing. Yeah. And so I start filming him and he's just gobbling, trying to locate her. Just bah, bah, bah. And so uh, he ends up working his way off. I try to run around and intercept him. Ended up busting that hen out of the way. And he's gobbling like crazy. Middle of the day, like late morning, mid afternoon, like in like 12 o'clock, 12 or 1 o'clock. And he's just gobbling like nuts. And so I go and try to intercept him. Well, he ends up kind of working his way around me. I think he found that hen working his way around me. Then I hear another group of gobblers across the field. So I run back over there trying to get them. And they ended up working their way over to where I was just at. There's a big, just a big, long thing. But I was like, I did a podcast that night with Andy Melton from Longbeard Legends. I don't know if you know who Andy is, but he's a super cool dude. And a guy that you probably should have on your podcast. He's a Tennessee guy, just a turkey killing fool. He's, he's a great turkey hunter. Went over to his house and we're, we're podcasting, just BSing. And I'm like, dude, I need you to tell me how to kill white lightning. That's why I just named the bird. I was like, <laughs> his name's white lightning. And so I was like, dude, I need you to tell me how to kill this bird. I'm calling my shots. I'm going to freaking kill this turkey tomorrow. And we, we talk about it, you know, and we're just kind of, I'm like, I'm never going to see this turkey ever again. So I go out that next morning and there was a gobbler that had been on the same roost every single time I was there. And I actually found out that the best way to get to that spot without blowing anything out was to actually kayak to it. So I kayaked all the way around it, got like, I mean, dude, like 30 yards away from this gobbler on the roost and he's going nuts. He flies down the opposite way and I watch him fly off out of my life. And uh, as I'm just kind of sitting there waiting, seeing if he'll come back up. I see what looks like a group of hogs walking through the woods at like maybe 75 yards or so. It's just like, it's just kind of a foreign sight when you're in the turkey woods. And I realize what it is, it's actually two of these white turkeys that have like the kind of black spots. No way. And, and another two, there was another hen and maybe another long beard, just regular. So they were, they were wild turkeys that I say that to tell you, tell people like these were wild birds and they were hanging out with other wild birds. Like they were, they were together. So I watched them walk and the way that it, the way that it's set up is I have, I'm up on top of a hill. These birds are walking towards me at the bottom of this hill. Well, at the bottom of that hill is where the lake comes in. So if they keep walking that direction, I'm going to see them because unless they decide to fly across the lake, they're in a pinch point basically where I'm going to see them at some point when they walk by, they have to walk by me if they want to get around it, or they're going to go off the, off the other way that they came and I'm going to see them go that way. So I sat there, dude, I sat there for freaking two and a half hours. <laughs> like these are white turkeys. I'm going to see them walking through the woods. They're not just going to slip by. There's no slipping when you're white. Right. Like, um, that, that could be, that could be taken a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, it's like a deer in the snow. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Exactly. Like I, I'm going to see this thing. 
because the yeah. water was literally like maybe 40 yards away from me. I'm going to see them walk by one way or the other. And I'm, I'm like trying to call just to see if they're there still knowing that they got to be there and they would not answer to anything. And then all of a sudden a group of geese flew by and they just went nuts. (laughs) Like just gobblers going off like crazy right below me, like literally like really close to where my kayak's actually at. And okay, they're down there. I know they're still down there. I don't know. I don't know that turkeys like visit watering holes to drink water. I don't don't know like (laughs) what they're doing down there, but they're just literally just hanging out. So then it started raining. I'm like, piss, dude. Like, this sucks. And so I get on my hands and my, on my belly, basically, and I start belly crawling down this hill. And I'm like, as soon as I get over this rise, they've got to be there. I get over the rise. I don't see them. I'm like, where are these turkeys at? And so I set up. I just decided, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to set up here. They've got to be here somewhere. I, I call a little bit, just like really light calling. Don't hear anything. Another group of geese flies by. Honk, honk. The birds start gobbling like crazy and they're literally just out of my view and I cannot see them. And so I belly crawl a little bit further. When I did that, a hen flew up and flew away. And I was like, where are the white turkeys at? Like, where, <laughs> where did they go? They were with her. They had to have been with her. I have no idea where these birds are at. And so I sit there and I, I fell asleep actually because <laughs> I sat there for so long waiting on them to, to move one way or the other, I kind of dozed off a little bit. I was just getting really tired at this point. When I first saw them, it was about, I mean, it was right after sunup, right after they flew off the roost. So it was probably, I don't know, seven o'clock. Let's say it's seven o'clock. And at this point, it's like 1030. And I've been within 40 yards of these turkeys for three hours or so. And so I belly crawl a little bit further, blew off that, blew off that hen. And so I knew that they were still down there somewhere because they didn't fly up or anything. So I belly crawled just a little bit further after, after like an hour maybe or so. I belly crawled just a little bit further. And when I did that, I got over a rise and there was just a little bitty tiny dip and I see three red heads pop up out of it at like 15 feet from me. So I got up and I, I got to a point where I could see which ones I was shooting at. And then sure enough, there's two white ones. And a regular long beard. And I started shooting at the right, at the white one. Well, I'm using TSS and at 15 feet, TSS is like a freaking rifle pattern. Yeah. It's like a ball, man. That's a tough shot. Yeah. And I missed and I missed twice. Oh, uh, so I've only got one shell left and they get out probably to about 30 yards and I shot and I killed, I killed actually the bigger, the longer bearded white turkey on that deal. And that was 100% like work ethic, patience, and yeah. aggression, right? Like, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to figure, I'm going to find them. Either I'm going to blow them out or I'm going to kill one or I'm going to miss. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that last one was, was a pretty close reality, but thankfully I was able to hit it. And uh it, it, it was nothing to do with my calling. It was nothing to do with me being just a freaking awesome turkey hunter. It had everything with, to do with me being in the right place at the right time and willing to work really hard and be very patient to kill it. So that's why I go back to like, man, if you can be aggressive, be aggressive because it, 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 if I wouldn't have made those moves, I didn't realize that there was a dip right there in the terrain that they could have easily got by me on. And they were about to like, they were getting, they were, 
they were getting close. And that was just me just going in there and just trying to be aggressive. And strangely enough, I don't know if I'm going to put this in the video, but I'll let your viewers know about it. I've, I've told a few people, I actually had an opportunity to kill the other one the next day. I could have killed him twice no that day, actually. <laughs> because they're just so easy to spot, right? Like, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good like point. Like, when they're, when they're out in the field and you, you're walking towards that field, you see them. You don't enter the field not knowing that a turkey's there and then blowing them out, which is usually the case. You see a white thing in the field <laughs> and you're like, okay, he's right there. And I didn't, I didn't shoot him, uh, the second time. He was, the, the other one was a Jake. So he had like a little bitty tiny beard that you could see perfectly on his white chest. When he would fan out, he had the, you know, the longer feathers in the middle. He still had a, a it was a rough gobble. It was a weird gobble, but I could have shot him two different times. One of them, he was with a, a, a regular hen. And then the other time was just right off the roost in the morning, but I didn't shoot him because I was just like, uh, you know, I want it to still be special. You know, I yeah. still want the, I like the fact that the one that I killed was a Tom first off. Yeah. And it was, it was a once in a lifetime thing. And I kind of wanted to keep it as a once in a lifetime thing, but I actually got, dude, you wouldn't believe the negative comments that I got on it. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Yeah. I got I a lot of negative. I can imagine. Just because there's, and a lot of people are like, dude, you kill a smoke face turkey. I didn't freaking kill a smoke face turkey. It was a wild turkey that had some domestic genetics in it of like yep. a royal palm or something like that. Yeah. But don't, I mean, I don't want people to think that I went out and killed a tame turkey either because I definitely didn't do that. Like these birds spooked off whenever they saw you, you know, like they didn't yeah, want to have anything. They were born and they grew up in the wild the same as any other turkey. Yeah, they, exactly. You know, they're living the same life as any other wild turkey. Because they are truly a wild animal. Mm -hmm. I don't like care if it's white, blue, yellow, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. still wild turkey. It was, it, you know, and I, I know I'm going to catch some crap for it whenever I put the YouTube video out. Um, but dude, nobody, nobody can tell me there's no turkey hunter in the world. I would say in the world, even the people who talk bad about it, who would say, you know, I got a shot at three different three different birds right here i got oh i got a white one and two regular long beards which one am i going to shoot right. everybody's going to shoot the white one. Oh yeah man everybody's going to shoot the white one there's not a doubt in my mind and and also i want to point out the people that this this area does get turkey hunted if there's a tame white turkey that has grown up to be a tom in this area he's going to die real quick oh yeah, yeah. you know yeah. what i mean not to mention the fact that you're white means you're a target for coyotes, predators. Like, you can't hide. Oh, certainly. You know what I mean? They're not going to be, be able to survive you, that your long. Your natural camouflage and the coloration of white turkeys look the way they do is completely thrown out the window. You know, mm -hmm. so owls can see them at night better, you know, when they're on the limbs and they could kill them off the limb, off the roost. You know, um, any predator, like you said, they can, they can just as easy as you can see them. They stick out the same to, to predatory animals as well. Yeah. It was, it, dude, I'm telling you, when I killed that bird, I was just like, I sent a text to that guy, to Andy. Adam was like jacked out of his mind whenever he was on <laughs> a completely different area. And I went and found his truck and parked there and hung the turkey up in a tree so that when he walked out of the woods, he saw it hanging up in that tree. <laughs> it was like, that was like one of the most surreal moments I've ever had as a, just a hunter. 
You yeah, know, yeah. It's, I just went out and I killed the equivalent of a drop time deer, you know? Oh, definitely, like, man. I'm, maybe I'm, even more rare. I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, definitely. I mean, how many people do you know that, I know you're not saying it's a smoke phase bird, but just a white turkey in general, how many people do you know that have actually killed a smoke phase bird or a white turkey that wasn't domesticated? None. I, I watched a YouTube video of a guy killing uh, an albino one on Ooh. public land somewhere. It seems like it was more in the north northern area but he killed this albino they called it the ghost it's a cool video anybody should watch it they got much better footage than i did i'm gonna um, look it up <laughs> like i said it was it was raining and so my main camera wasn't even run i was i was back to just gopro stuff i wasn't able to have my i wasn't able to have my main camera out on that one but it was just one of those things for me that's like you know there's some scenarios that you want it to be perfect the perfection of that was the i mean the fact that i killed just a a lifetime turkey you know i don't expect yeah. to ever kill another turkey like that and i don't expect a whole lot of people to do that either i'll tell you this though i guarantee you i'm going to go back to that same spot this year and hope to see a bunch of little half breeds <laughs> walking around there or that that jake is a two-year-old this year mm -hmm. would be nice too yeah and he was he was much more white he had oh. more of a, a white and like almost like a bronze so where my bird had a lot of black mm -hmm. in his in his feathers, he had a lot of white and black like yeah. accents, I guess. This other one was more like bronze looking. Huh. His black was was bronze. He was white and like like almost like a, a gold looking color. It was pretty cool. I gotta be and, honest, man. When I saw you you posted that on Instagram, I showed literally anybody that I knew that turkey hunted. I had to show them that bird. It is a really <laughs> cool looking bird, man. I appreciate it. He's gonna he's gonna be uh he's at the taxidermist right now. Um I'm definitely get that getting that one mounted. I've never been like the kind of person that's like, I want a full size, full body turkey mount, you know, <laughs> but that one is just like a tail fan isn't gonna do it justice, you know. You yeah. Gotta, yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Special. It's yeah. too uh -huh. special. Like you said, it's a once in a lifetime. And to do it out of state on public land, like that's incredible. That's like the icing on the cake, right? It do and I got to kayak it. That was the cool and thing. I spent I spent the majority of my time on that place. I could have walked to that spot easily, but just the way that it the way that the, the the birds roosted out there, it really gave you an advantage to come at them from the water. Yeah. And so I ended up taking a longer trip with the kayak to get in the right spot, and it would have it would have taken me ten minutes to walk there. You know, three quarters of a mile in flat land is not that hard to do. But the kayak actually made it made, put me in a better position just right off right off the bat. Yeah. And so I spent most of my time on this place walking in. And like the first day that I take my kayak out is the day that I shot this white turkey. So I, I got That's like, so cool. I got my like kayak fix, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Out of that deal. <laughs> it was just, I mean, that, that would have been cool without the kayak. But just the fact that I got to use it on that one was just, yeah, it was amazing, dude. It was so cool. And then like, just watching people's reactions when I would post a picture or whatever, just seeing people like, well, that's different. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, totally. That's not your everyday turkey picture. You know, it's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's like two common themes I keep picking up from the whole thing. And I think you mentioned it's like your hard, hard work ethic and like aggressive nature. That's like your style. Right. I mean, and it, and it obviously pays off and it goes back to, you know, if nothing else, if you do those two things, again, you're going to get the opportunities, right? 
But what I found funny was, and the only thing I, one of the things I know about Tennessee, I've never hunted there personally, was the same thing. A lot of the birds will roost up high and then they'll pitch all the way down to the bottoms and then they'll feed back up the hills during the day. So I can see why coming in, coming in low on kayak would work well for that. But when you were in Tennessee, did you find it harder to find places to access by kayak than, you know, Alabama, in, in my opinion, when I think of Alabama, I think of a lot more water than I do up here. It, was that the case? No, it's definitely not the case. Tennessee is actually like a really good water access state because they put, and you'll find this with a lot of states. Missouri's this way. Florida would be this way, except you have to deal with alligators. Georgia has, is this way. There's a lot of states that I would say that I've been to that a lot of public land is based around water. It's based around lakes, public access lakes. And, uh, and so you'll find like Corps of Engineers land on a lot of lakes and Tennessee's no different. You've got a lot of your WMAs are based around these big, huge lakes and rivers. And so Tennessee actually has a decent amount of water access. And I actually, I, I, I decided to go to this place because it had, you know, water around it. What I found out after the fact, once I got there, was that it, it had a lot more opportunity to walk in. And because I just, I opted to opt it to walk in most of the time because we weren't seeing pressure. Like we weren't seeing people and we were hearing turkeys gobble, you know, in a reasonable distance from where we were parking the truck, you know, so there's no reason to work extra hard like that if you don't have to just for the sake of it. I found an opportunity there where it actually did give me an advantage, even though I didn't have to do it. I would have heard those same turkeys gobble from the parking spot. I would have been able to hear them gobble and get on. And in fact, the first, the first day that I went in there, I actually did do that. That's, I walked in that day. I didn't kayak. And so, you know, I, I could have easily, could have easily done that and maybe killed the same turkey and it all ended up the same way, but it, it gave me an advantage. But for sure, Tennessee, Kentucky, you can find if you want to water access, if you, if you're like, you know, that sounds like a really cool advantage to have. For me, I found it to be the best advantage that I can think of is, is using water access. Most people have a bass boat or, or a lot of outdoorsmen have a bass boat. I'll say that or some type of, some type of watercraft, whether it's a canoe, a kayak, you can get a kayak for cheap. Oh yeah. And when it comes to turkey hunting, you don't have to have a kayak that can handle a whole bunch of weight. You know, turkey doesn't weigh nothing. You know, you could just throw it on just about any kayak. So if that's something that somebody wants to do, you probably have a lot of it in the state that you're in that you just maybe yeah. haven't looked at. Because like I said, get on X man or any of those type of things that show you public land and where it's at. You're going to find, find your big lakes, find the lake and just zoom in on it and see if there's public around it. And I mean, a lot of the time there is somewhere. Uh, and that's, that's just, that's what I've always done since I started doing it. Uh, I've got probably freaking six or seven different areas in Tennessee that I have marked to go. I'm never going to do that until I run out of turkeys or deer to find, to, to hunt in those <laughs> in the areas that I've already found. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's there. It's there for anybody. If you got the determination to do it, man, it's a, it's a fun way to go about it. You think it's scarier going through a cornfield at night or going across water at night? Because <laughs> both probably have equally as many uh, 
messed up movies with sure. uh, <laughs> and corn makes a lot of noise. That's what I don't like. So I, I've only gone through a couple of cornfields at night. I really haven't done it a lot just because we don't have a lot of it here. Yeah. Most of my ag type hunting has taken place in Kentucky, but I would still say the water. I'll tell you why. So I had a situation last, not this past deer season, the deer season before that. I was hunting a place in South Alabama that had like the cypress stumps and cypress swamps. So the way a cypress stump is in the water is it's like a, almost like a big point, right? Like it is, it's almost like freaking steel. You can, it doesn't break. It doesn't move. And I was going full speed, man, in this open water, just full speed. Which in my kayak is like 11 miles an hour with that motor running. Just, just going, dude. And that motor hit a cypress stump that was underneath the surface of the water. And it bounced me up, knocked my paddle out of my hands and turned me completely sideways on the water because I was going fast. And I mean, my, my paddle flew in the water, everything. I and mean, it's just everything was airborne and, uh, it was scary, dude. It, it luckily, so here's a plug for new canoe. That freaking new canoe is stable as all get out. And there's not a lot of situations where it's going to flip because it's so stable, but that doesn't mean that you can't fall in, you know, it doesn't mean that it can't knock you out. And so I actually, since that situation, I've taken a lot more safety precautions in my setup with, you know, having a life jacket, making sure that I'm that I have a tether to the, to the kill switch, you know, for that motor, because let's say I did fall out. Maybe I have a life jacket on. That's fine. But if my motor's still running, my kayak's just going to keep going, you know, Gone. or it's going to circle. It's just going to make big circles and put me in big time danger with those, with that prop. And so I'm, I'm taking a lot of safety precautions for that. So when I think about that, like that's a pretty scary scenario. A cornfield is literally all in your mind, right? Like yes. It, it, yes. there's nothing actually that's going to jump out and kill you in a cornfield. In the kayak, you could actually die. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Besides maybe a black bear. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking of the children. <laughs> <laughs> I would 100% agree with you. Uh, I went out for the first time, what, last year when we first started doing the yakking for bass tournament. And I went out at night one time on a kayak just to fish. And that is a new kind of fear. I will tell you right now, being out all by myself on the water in the dark with fish just coming and surfacing and smashing. I mean, like blowing up right beside me consistently. I've never been on edge for that long ever in my life. Like, yeah, the corn thing, realistically if you get past the mental part and you're like okay nothing can truly harm me at this point right i'm okay i'm gonna walk through the middle of this cornfield 400 yards because i've done that that is freaky man and you stop and you still hear noises eventually you just turn and run right you're gonna get out of the cornfield (laughs) (laughs) in the water you're screwed like there are so many more real dangers but the mental part i'm out i don't know it's, so it's you talk about freaking fish. Okay. Something that nobody told me when I first started hunting in Kentucky was that there are Asian carp. Oh yeah, yeah man. <laughs> in Kentucky. 
Um, and maybe I, I think there are some in Ohio too, in some of the water in Ohio. It's not something I've ever had to deal with. The scariest fish in our water is probably like a, a needle nose gar or something <laughs> like that. You know, dude, the first time I went to Kentucky, I'm on this little river and these Asian carp are gigantic. They're big, huge, dense fish. And one of them like jumped up right in front of me, right in front of my light. And I mean, they're loud when they come up to the, to the surface. It's like, boom, pop. And they just smash into the water. <laughs> and, uh, Adam Cruz actually got hit in the face by one, oh, one man. morning. Cause they don't have like, it's like you've seen those videos of people shooting them with their bow, just yeah. going down the river full speed, shooting them out of the air with a bow or catching them in a bucket or whatever. Like they don't care about your boat being there. Like they're going to pop up. Wherever they're at, when that water gets messed with, like they're popping up. I've had them, uh, when I killed that big buck in Kentucky this year, that morning, I went out and actually had one of those Asian carp, which I didn't know they were going to be in this. This is a completely different area. I didn't know they were going to be in this water. So I really wasn't expecting it. And I had one pop up right in front of me. And then a few seconds later, one of them just, just like full speed hit the bottom of my kayak. <laughs> it was like, thump. And I was like, what the freaking crap? You know, it's dark. <laughs> I'm already kind of nervous. It's a new waterway. I don't know if there's any like logs or anything that I need to be watching for. It's foggy and choppy. And then this stupid Asian carp hits me full speed. And like, <laughs> dude, in it, they don't hit lightly. It's not like, oh. it's not like they're just chilling there under the surface. Like the way they're I torpedoes. imagine it, it's, I imagine them torpedoing from the depths the deepest part of the lake at full speed and just building momentum. And that's how hard they hit it. And I mean, you're talking about, I don't know how much they weigh, like 20 pounds. They're, they're freaking huge. Yeah. yeah. And so like, and you think about that, you talk about stuff that could actually harm you. If one of those things jacks you in the face at full speed, <laughs> like that could knock you out. It's <laughs> like, not going to take a lot. I promise you. Knock you out. <laughs> and like, so that there's things in the water that, that could, you know, legitimately kill you <laughs> for sure. I can imagine people down south listening to this right now that have to deal with like actual real threats in the water, you know, like alligators and just laughing their asses off at us. Like this guy's complaining about Asian carp jumping on him and uh we have to float past 12, 13 foot alligators. Dude, <laughs> like Walter Lee, I can imagine him right now just I sitting back do it. Man. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. Honestly, I don't know I, if I could. I, like, when they wanted to go down, him and Greg went down to uh that lake right there on the edge of Georgia and Florida. Seminole. Uh, man, and he said he he floated past and he thought it was a stump and he hit it with his paddle and it was an alligator. Like, there's no way in hell I could do that. No way in hell. Not with my cheap-ass $200 uh, kayak from a, from local Dunham's. You know, no yeah. way. <laughs> nope. I, 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 a lot of those people down there, they don't. I guess they've learned to deal with it and they know that the likelihood of the alligator actually hurting them is pretty low. And so they just do it. They just do it. They just kind of forget about it. They've lived with it their whole life. I know how many times I have to get in the water, you know, in muddy water or something. Like when I, when I beach my kayak early in the morning, you know, let's say it's 70 degrees outside in early season and it's hot and it's still alligator weather. I'm just blindly putting my feet in three feet of water. Yeah. 
With low visibility. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm you out. can't see anything. Mm. I'm out. I don't know. And I don't know if I could handle it like paddling, you know, you're paddling through the water and all of a sudden you hit one with your paddle and it moves and like jars everything. It's like, <laughs> that's something I could actually have. That didn't mean the alligator is going to eat you, but it's still scare the piss out of you. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> know, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I'm not, maybe I'm not there yet. Maybe I need to work on that part of my, my mental toughness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man. I'm, I'm on that team. I'm on team water as, uh, the number one fear in the dark. And it, and it gives a different aspect. Like I could go out and kayak the same water. And as soon as I go back out there at nighttime, it's like totally different. Mm-hmm. Totally yeah. You different. go out there in the daytime. You're like, well, oh, this is good. I, I kayaked, uh, Fort Stewart, um, where Greg lives, uh, for saddle Palooza a couple years ago. And, um, I, I basically had the idea, like, I'm going to go and I'm going to just float, float the current and, try to find hogs just right on the on the edge right there and i went by myself nobody went with me and there's big giant alligators in fort stewart in those swamps so i'm by myself in the daylight i didn't think anything about it i didn't give a crap i knew there were probably alligators swimming all underneath me but <laughs> it's daytime i can see you know right right um i mean and i, I floated a long ways that day i didn't care anything about it dude but you talk about doing it at night time I don't know. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can do your it. headlight just shining, and then you see eyes like yeah. that part. Oh, no thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, thank you. Oh, I don't my. know if there's a deer that's worth that. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, we are getting there close on time. I think. Uh, I don't know. Was the turkey? Uh, was was the Tennessee white turkey? Was that was that your favorite turkey story? Um. Or you got one of those. Yeah, I, I'm i going to say that's probably one of the more memorable ones and probably what everybody would expect to be the most memorable turkey hunt. I think for me, the most, the absolute funnest turkey hunt was the kayak one last season as well. I had a cool turkey season last year. Uh, I, I killed that one out of my kayak. That was my first bird of the season. My second one, I I went up into a spot and basically called the bird across the property line onto the public land. And uh, that was a cool hunt because uh, I knew exactly where this turkey was. He was in a, in a private food plot and it was one of the few gobbles that I heard that year. And that was the one that I ended up killing. And I literally shot him like as soon as his foot crossed the line, <laughs> like <laughs> you could see the painted trees on either side of this, like this roadbed. There's painted trees across. And as soon as he crossed that line, dude, I, I let him have it. So that was a cool one. And then, and then I shot that Jake in Tennessee in the rain and then the white turkey. So like it was a really good turkey season for me last year and just some really unique things, especially with the one out of the kayak. That's probably when I think about my excitement level, I was more excited about that turkey and how cool that, that just happened. You know, when you watch turkey videos on YouTube or on TV or whatever, it's kind of like once you've seen one turkey hunt, you've seen them all. There's not a lot of like super, uh, unique turkey hunting videos. And I felt like that one was just so far beyond, you know, any other turkey video I've ever seen. Just cause it was so different. Like nobody could, you can't just like make that happen. Yeah. You can't replicate that. That was, mm-hmm. um, 
that was pretty amazing. I'm just, I was wondering, uh, when you shot, did the recoil move the kayak backwards? You can actually see it in the video. So one of the camera <laughs> angles that I have is faced at me. I had, uh, I was in really thick woods with like three yeah. feet, four feet of water in it. And I put one of the GoPros on a tree that was next to me uh, on my angle. And you can see kind of as I'm waiting for this turkey to come up, I, I start floating backwards. Right, like I'm just kind of floating backwards, and I pull myself back up on the tree, and uh, and so when I shot, you can kind of see it like move. Uh, <laughs> I didn't so know what the heck was going to happen, dude. Honestly, I was right. like, I was like, you know, once this turkey actually comes out, I can hear him gobbling. He's coming closer. Once he actually shows up, like, am I is my boat going to start floating again, or <laughs> like, what's going to happen? Sure, I mean, it it ended up working out just fine, but it was a cool thing. The cool thing about it is like, usually when you kill a turkey, you run over to it, put your foot on its head and do all that kind of stuff. Well, this one, like I had to keep paddling, right? There's still, there's still like 30 yards of water in front of me that I got to get to get through to go up to this bird. So I'm like paddling as fast as I can, trying to get through the, get through the, the stuff and my motor's still on. It's not running, which that's the, that's the law. It can't be running and you can't be in forward motion. Like you can duck hunt with a, in a boat. So that's the, that's the law on it. Yeah. And so like my, my motor's catching on like briars and vines and stuff. And I'm trying to just like break every, break my way through these woods. But the, even in the field, like in the picture of it, in the thumbnail image, you can see it looks like there's a pond in the middle of this field because the water's up so much. And so, like, I had to paddle my way all the way to this bird, pretty much. The picture's fun because you can literally, you could, my, my kayak is beached in the field that I killed him in, right? Like, you just, this <laughs> kayak in the middle of the field. I wish I would have had my drone with me uh, right there. Yeah. Yeah. If I would have had my drone, that would have been such a cool picture just because it's like, like, I'm in this, in my kayak, my boat's just in the middle of a field, you know? It's just pretty crazy. That would have been wild, man. That's absolutely I'd say that's awesome, that's man. probably my favorite. That's probably my favorite turkey story. And then, I mean, close second is going to be the white bird. But just the coolest bird I've ever killed is definitely a white one for sure. That's that's the most once in a lifetime opportunity I've ever had. Definitely, definitely. And people should watch that when it comes out and watch all your turkey content. Honestly, head over there, subscribe. You know, Parker, this is your time to shine, man. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. So the YouTube channel is probably what i put my most heart and soul into i love the video aspect i love editing i love freaking the thumbnail i love making the thumbnail images like it's just so much fun coming up with that product and so definitely if you're interested in deer and turkey hunting um, maybe a little bit of fishing here and there hog hunting stuff try to do anything anything that i'm out outside doing outdoors i try to put a video up of it so go and check that out that's southern ground hunting You'll find it there and the podcast. So our podcast is a part of the Sportsman's Nation podcast network. So probably a lot of people listen are already subscribed to the Sportsman's Nation. This just kind of puts a voice, I would say a face with the, with the name, but it's not really, it's a voice with the name. Um, <laughs> you can find us there or you can just search Southern Ground Hunting in pretty much any, any podcast platform. You'll find us there. Instagram is at Southern Ground Hunting and Facebook is Southern Ground Hunting. It's all. I try to make it all as easy as I possibly can, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I actually have. 
for somewhere to someone to go follow. I have a TikTok account, but I don't ever do anything with it, so you don't have to you don't have to follow that. Maybe you, one day. Yeah, Maybe you got some, we'll you got some awesome hats too. Those are for sale, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So you can go to um, southerngroundhunting.com, and I, I put up uh, I put up as much stuff on the website as I can. I've got some blogs and stuff like that, but I've also got uh, some T-shirts and hats, hoodie decals, just stuff like that. If you uh, if you want to go and grab some of that, that would be awesome too. Awesome, man. We appreciate you coming on, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on. I'm used to, I'm used to being a podcast. (laughs) Thank you guys. Thanks for coming on the show today, guys. Uh, (laughs) um, That's great. No, thanks for your time, man. I know it's late. Um, like, you know, you podcast, you, you work a lot on videos. It's almost turkey season for you. So I know it's a busy time for you. So we really appreciate getting some of that time, uh, to come on and, and BS with us about turkey and kayaks and deer it's it's just it's a lot of fun man we could talk all night i'm sure oh yeah for sure well, i appreciate it man it's been an honor coming on the show and uh maybe we can do it again sometime 